chapter 3 tonight, Ruth chapter 3, as we continue on the, <coughs> on the romance lesson that we started last week, that's just starting in the, getting kind of uh, a little more of the focus here as we uh, move along chapter 3 here. We've looked at the ruin, the resolve, the return, the reaping, the recompense, the report, the rest, and now the romance between Ruth and Boaz. I uh, want to look tonight, continue, we, we dropped off last week as we saw the way that Boaz was responding to her actions and uh, the things that Ruth was doing according to Naomi's instructions, which maybe not didn't make much sense to her, but she still obeyed and then she's seeing the reward from it. Uh, just in quick review, we saw last week the advancing of the romance, the romance of Boaz and Ruth needed to advance obviously from their mutual feelings into some action, and so Naomi had instructed Ruth on how to handle it. Let's read, if we will, here in uh, verse number 7. To start out here, verse 7. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who art thou? Actually, he said, because it was dark and everybody was sleeping. And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. We'll read a few more in a minute, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we have these few minutes here. I pray you'd help us to see in your word something that will be a help to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, he obviously was startled. He wakes up and there's a woman laying at his feet. And so, but he didn't expect that, yet he understood the, as soon as she gave a request. And he answered, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter. Now the words my daughter were words of endearment. Uh, you remember Ruth had said to him, thy handmaid, referred to herself as thy handmaid, where Boaz uh, recall, returns the uh, phrase and calls her my daughter. That is a clear message of his love, but it also, uh, I love to see how she ranked higher in his mind than she ranked in her own mind. There's a humility there. All throughout Ruth, you see her humility. Uh, God's love is also seen for us in John, 1 John 3, 1. When we come to God as outsiders, we're lost as a ball in high weeds, and we uh, have no place to go, and we come to Christ. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So we might come to Him and we recognize we're lost sinners, uh, we're desperately needed salvation, and He calls us sons of God. We recognize our condition and He elevates us into His family. I love that, that idea there and that picture we see here. When you come to Him as a nobody and He makes us a somebody. It's a blessing. So looking on at verse number 10, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich nor poor. So Boaz cites two reasons or causes here for praising Ruth. He said, first of all, the progress in her performance, thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning. The point here is that Ruth is showing more kindness for her late husband now than when she first married him because she's seeking to keep his name alive through the kinsman-redeemer marriage after he had died. And that's something that, again, is not really part of our culture, but this was a tremendous honor to her deceased husband that she would continue through the kinsman marriage, uh, the, that, that culture, 
uh, that is known to the Israelites. Uh, Leveret marriage is what we're talking about. So Ruth was progressing in her kindness. Her faith was growing. Now, it would be good if all God's people showed progress in their spiritual development all the time, wouldn't it? It is obviously not the case. Some people never grow. And of course, all of us are probably guilty of times in our life when we're not growing as we should. But there's some that stay spiritually in the nursery their whole Christian life. They never really grow out of that. And so she did, though. She was growing in faith. Not only did she venture out of Moab, but when arriving in Judah, she continued to progress spiritually. And uh, that's a blessing. Those who don't grow spiritually, they become a tragedy as far as their Christian life. They are deficient spiritually like those that are mentally deficient or physically deficient, and it doesn't do any good for them uh, in, for the cause of Christ. Now then we come to the preference in Ruth's performance here. In verse 10 he says, Thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now Boaz was a contemporary of Elimelech, put him in Elimelech's generation. So as a, because of that, many believe that Boaz was probably old enough to be Ruth's father. I wouldn't be that odd of a thing back then, but uh, because he could be the kinsman redeemer, Ruth sought him instead of younger men, which is what he points out here. Her choice was made on character and spirituality, and that is always commendable. Now, there's obviously nothing wrong with young men per se. I am one. You can say amen there. Sometimes I pause to just let you insert, and nobody did. That's kind of offensive. But uh, there's nothing wrong with young men, but to pursue young men instead of Boaz would indicate that she's much more interested in the rewards of the flesh and not of the spirit. So her preference was spiritual, and it shows her character, like her progress in her spiritual growth, uh, it was a good cause for praise, and uh, Boaz does so. Then look at his promise here, verse 11, And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. This is uh, really probably the verse of the strongest indication so far, anyway, of Boaz's feelings for Ruth. The repeated use of my daughter assures Ruth of his love for her. Fear not uh, is another word, uh, the words used to assure Ruth that her actions that night were acceptable to him. Again, you remember, just in reminder, we kind of went over this in the last couple of weeks, but the things that Naomi was asking Ruth to do might have seemed just as strange to her as they would seem to us. You know, lurk in the shadows, watch him until he goes to sleep, and then when he's sleeping, go over there and sneak by his feet, lay down, uncover his feet, and and say, so this doesn't seem like normal courting procedures. Well, it might not have seemed like that to her either, but she did what she was told and followed what Naomi instructed. So she was bold. She was bold to go where Boaz lay asleep, but the fear not here shows that her action was acceptable and uh, especially accepted by him, her request to him would be performed. God's people, it would help us and encourage us if we went through and looked at all the times that fear not is found in the Bible, which, by the way, Sometimes it's an interesting thing now that uh, the concordance is it's not near as bulky now to use a concordance as it was when I was in school because I had to use a big book. Now you can plug it into online, blueletterbible.com or other places. But if you plug in these words and then look at all the verses that come up, fear not, it would be a source of great comfort. All the times the Bible tells us to fear not. God told Abraham to fear not, Genesis 5.1. Uh, told Jacob to fear not, Genesis 46.3, told Moses to fear not, Numbers 21.34, told Paul to fear not, 
Acts 27.4, and of course, many, many more, Mary uh, and, and different ones. So there's just a few cases that God uh, tells us those things, but uh, it's, it's a good reminder for us because sin is the producer of fear in our life. Sin causes us to fear. Proverbs 10.24, the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Also Proverbs 28.1, the wicked pursue or flee when no man pursueth. Why? Fear. Sin puts fear on a person. It produces it. And whether it's fear of retribution, fear of reaping what they're sowing, a fear of revelation or exposure, uh, sin puts fear on people's lives. And, and, uh, but God is in the business of removing that fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when we are seeped in sin, there's going to be all kinds of a fear, fears that accompany us. I mean, people might not want to admit it, but I believe it's there. And uh, there's no need to fear when you're right with God. Amen? Uh, you don't have to fear about somebody exposing you for what you really are. You just really are genuine in serving the Lord. And so uh, that's a blessing. Look at the completeness also of the promise here in verse 11. I will do to thee all that thou requires. He's not making a halfway promise here. Promise to do all that was necessary. In fact, we're going to see later on, he did uh, all that was necessary. Boaz performed as well as he promised he would. He was dependable. Uh, Bob Jones said the greatest ability is dependability. A dependability is consistent in performance or behavior, reliable. And I stress dependability because we are losing dependability in groves in our day and age. Uh, Floyd Bennett said dependability is more important than talent. Dependability is a talent that all can have. And how true that is. I mean, we don't all have talent in every area, but we can have dependability. And we ought to be dependable. Boaz was not like many Christians today who make promises but don't perform it. We see that all over, but Boaz made some promises and then he, he followed through on that. And all of this, he gives the cause. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Boaz is promising that he's going to marry Ruth, and he tells us why here, tells her why, because she is a virtuous woman. Again, defining here, the word uh, translated virtuous is interesting. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 1, and uh, you see... And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth. That word wealth is the exact same original word as the word virtuous is in verse 11 here. Uh, it means strength, power, force. Now, depending on the context, the word can refer to physical strength, uh, material strength, or character strength. And its usage in the passage here, I think we're obviously looking that it is referring to her character. Virtuous, why the word virtuous is put there uh, correctly. So, she's not rich. I doubt she's, you know, like big, beefy, strong physically. I mean, that's not the picture we're given of Ruth here. But, uh, the, so it would refer to her character, virtuous. He not only spoke of her moral purity, but other character features that she had. We've already seen her hard work. I like people who aren't, men and women, who aren't afraid of hard work. Amen? And Ruth has been industrious here. She has been uh, showing herself a very hard worker and then faithful and caring for Naomi. Remember Naomi, when she first came back, she was a bitter old hag. I mean, she calls herself that. And yet Ruth loves her and cares for her and 
And really, Ruth is the one that brings her out of that slump and brings her encouragement again. And then her spirituality given in her choice to worship Jehovah instead of her old gods from her land. She was a good woman, and this encouraged Boaz to marry her. Not just a pretty face, but had character traits, and that's the kind of women that men ought to seek in marriage, and of course, vice versa, women choosing men as well. And then look at her testimony. All the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. We could move beyond that statement, and we should not. That's a tremendous statement. Every, not only are you virtuous, everyone knows that you're virtuous. She's not been in Judah long, only a couple of months here, yet her excellent character traits have shown themselves so that everyone knows what kind of person you are. That's tremendous. It indicates that she's serious about living her life right, decently, and in order. We've seen how over and over they take steps to protect their testimony, uh, not only of their own, but of each other. We'll see that in a minute again with what Boaz did, does. Her uh, character is not just talk, but she also walked it. And all of Bethlehem learned quickly what sort of woman she was. Our testimony is incredibly important. Today, I've been... Uh, having uh, my son Micah and I, he's doing school here, and so we've been reading through a chapter of Proverbs every day, back and forth, and today was Proverbs chapter 22, as it is the 22nd. And you remember what the first verse of Proverbs chapter 22 talks about? A good name, rather to be chosen than great riches. So I asked Micah, uh, you've got a truck full of gold coins coming at you, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or you've got a good name, which one would you choose? And would you like to know how struggle, he, I mean, you've spent some time with him. Yeah, he's all about coins. And he, you know, he didn't answer because he knew what the right answer was. And you want to say the wrong answer, but you could see his eyes getting big over the truckload of cash. And uh, we explained this, but uh, a good name is important. I mean, it's important. So a consistent testimony, I forget who made this quote, but it's not original with me. A consistent testimony will compel the unsaved to be drawn to the power that makes that lifestyle possible. So we have a consistent testimony. It's going to draw people to the very power that allows us to have that consistent testimony. And that's, wh that's where it comes in. The Bible says always be ready to give an answer. So how do you have that testimony? And we give the credit to the Lord. But people observe our lifestyle. They can tell how we live. They watch us. Somebody's watching you. Every one of us has a testimony, and somebody, uh, every one of us is being watched by somebody. Somebody has a, is, has a, is watching to see how you respond to things. And we can't long conceal from others what kind of person we are. We can for a while, but you spend some time with somebody and you start finding out who they really are and their weaknesses. Uh, if you're a genuine Christian, I believe people will know it and see it. Uh, if you're not a Christian, even though you profess to be a Christian, people soon usually figure that one out too. Our, we, our character will out. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. And as longer we spend time with people, uh, we see that. Uh, by the way, not to be picking on people, but I believe this is one reason why people, some people have a real hard time being faithful to church. They don't like, and especially to churches that are smaller in nature. A lot of people like going to big churches where they are completely anonymous, and they can go. They're not. They don't have to be responsible to anybody. Don't have to be accountable to anybody. They can go and they can leave, 
you know, you, you become faithful in a church like this and people know you. And that's a good thing, by the way, being accountable. Faithful people, people with good testimonies, are a church's best advertisement. If our church has, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, you give love for one another. If, if, our, if we have a church that's populated with godly people, with good testimonies, we don't have to put ads in the newspaper to try to get people to come out. We don't have to beg people to come. They'll be here, and that's the best advertisement we have. There's a problem in the assurance that we're talking about, the assurance Paul, Boaz has given Ruth, but there's a problem in the assurance here. Uh, before Boaz could give Ruth a promise to marry her, he had to address a problem. Look at verse number 12. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, uh, when you're proposing marriage, yes, I want to marry you. You don't want to hear the word but. <laughs> but here he says, but. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. And this was, uh, this was a problem. The man who was nearer than Boaz in kinsmanship relationship to Naomi's family. Now, we see also another, if you're using, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I thought it was interesting. If you use uh, Boaz as the kinsman redeemer and Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer, you also see a, an excellent example of the nearer kinsman in uh, the law that cannot save. Verse Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. You could say that the law was the near kinsman, but could not uh, do the get the job done. But looking at the problem here, uh, the revealing of the problem to her demonstrates, I mean, I'm, and I'm talking about verse 12 here, this demonstrates a lot of character in Boaz. And we see, the more you read about Boaz, the more character you see. The more you read about Ruth, the more character you see. I love to, to see that. Sometimes the more you find out about a person, the more problems you see. You've been there. The, better, the closer, the more, the, the closer you get to somebody, the more uh, flaws you see in them. Well, here we just see more and more character in them. Uh, he loved Ruth. He wanted to marry her. But he knew that there was a closer kinsman. And a leveret marriage law put that kinsman with a first right to her. In spite of this fact, alerting the other kinsman to the situation could cost Boaz his heart's desire, what he wanted. I mean, we can kind of assume the other kinsman's not even in the picture here. There's, he might not even know that Ruth exists. Boaz could make his claim and make it and live the rest of his life and never have to worry about it. I mean, there's no evidence that he's... In fact, we see when he approaches him, he's not standing in the wings waiting. But he insisted on giving the other kinsman his due right, even though it was a great risk to him and what he wanted. Uh, Boaz put integrity and abiding by the law above his own interests. And that's tremendous character. Few, few people are that unselfish. I mean, even Christians. We find few people that are that unselfish. Rather, when they see a personal gain, they ignore the law, they ignore their own kindness uh, towards others, trampling on the rights of others. They care more about personal gain than they do living righteously. They care more about themselves than they do about others. But, of course, people like that soon regret their ways, but, but sin has a lot of promises. It's, they're deceptive, and it's hard sometimes for people to see beyond what they want. 
And here Boaz, man, he has a great choice. But again, this is another verse. We see some of these gems throughout the book of Ruth. And verse 12 is a gem. There's no indication he had to do that. But Boaz, he wanted to an untainted marriage. He wanted to do things right. And again, this is far and few for people, unfortunately. He wasn't going to compromise. It was not only unselfish, it was uncompromising. He would not compromise one iota. He, had he married Ruth without first clearing it with his nearer kinsman, the marriage in his mind probably so would have been tainted. In fact, it could have come back on him later. And he wanted, if we're going to get married, we're going to do it right. We're going to have everything in order and everything in line, no compromising. What an example to us. In all areas of our life, compromise is not worth the cost, no matter the price. New York family bought a ranch out west where they intended to raise cattle. Friends visited later, and these are city folks, and they asked if the ranch had a name, and, they, and the father answered, I wanted to name it the Bar J, my wife wanted the Susie Q, and my son the Flying J, and my other son wanted the Lazy W. So they said, well, what did you end up calling it? I said, well, we called it the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying J, Lazy W. So they're looking around. They said, well, where are all the cattle? And they said, none of the cattle survived the branding. It's a, it's a long brand. Follow me, okay, uh, after what they named it. But uh, <laughs> compromise is not always a good thing. Now, there's times we should compromise. Anybody knows if you're going to have a good marriage, there's going to be compromise all on his part. But, you know, there's going to be compromise in a good marriage, amen? Uh, there's, there's compromise in churches. You know, we compromise when it comes to the color of the carpet. It's not a big deal. These things don't matter that much. And so there's all kinds of compromise in those type of relational things. But we never compromise in the area of character. And that's what Boaz refused to do here. Compromise is the sacrifice of one good in hope of attaining other another good, and it often ends in the loss of both. Think about that. We compromise, we sacrifice one good to gain another good, and we often end up losing both. Compromise. Lot is a great example of this. Lot was a compromiser, and he lost everything he wanted. We should never compromise right for gain. You'll, you'll almost always regret when you compromise in areas of character. Man wanted a boat more than anything, and his wife kept refusing, but he bought one anyway. And so he told her, I'll tell you what, in the spirit of compromise, I'll buy the boat, but I'll let you name it. Okay, so she accepted that, and when he went out on his maiden voyage on this boat, she, he saw the name she had printed on the side, for sale. <laughs> so sometimes it's not good to compromise, Okay. Uh, but Boaz would not compromise in this situation here. Now, the rectifying of the problem, he told her he would promptly, in verse 13, in the morning, he's going to go see the near kinsman, and that's where we'll pick it up next week and uh, continue to talk about that, uh, actually.